You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. When we talk about friends, okay? When we talk about friends, we're not talking about that long list of people that are listed as friends on your Facebook page. We're not talking about those followers you have on Twitter or Instagram. Just because somebody likes every one of your posts doesn't make them a friend. It really doesn't. The truth is, we have almost little to nothing to do with most of those people most of the time, right? A friend is defined as this. A person who you know and with whom you have a bond of mutual affection. That's the, that's the definition that comes from the dictionary. But a friend is a lot more than that. A friend is someone you love and they love you. There's someone you respect and they respect you. There's someone you trust who trusts you. Their friend is honest and they make you want to be more honest. They, a friend is somebody who's always loyal. A friend is someone who's happy to spend time with you doing absolutely nothing at all. Someone who doesn't mind driving you on your stupid errands or who doesn't have to talk to communicate with you. A friend is someone who not only doesn't care that you're ugly and boring, and let's be honest, you have to say it sometimes, you are, but they don't even think about it. They don't see you that way. They don't even think about it. There's someone who forgives you no matter what you do and someone who trusts to help who tries to help you even when they don't know what to do. A friend is someone who tells you you're being dumb, but they don't make you feel dumb in the process. A friend is someone who would sacrifice their life and their happiness for you. That's a friend. And many of you have friends like that, and some of you brought those friends with you this morning. But if you don't have a friend like that, I'm guessing you wish you did. So where do you find a friend like that? Well, if you need a friend, then be that kind of person that you would like to have in your life. There's an old saying that says, be a friend and get a friend. Be a friend to get a friend. It's simple. The Bible talks a lot about friendship. In fact, it reveals a number of the key qualities that you have in a true friend, qualities that you should exhibit to be that kind of true friend. These qualities are so valuable, we could see them as relational diamonds or sapphires or rubies. So the time we have this morning, I want us to just uh, explore these gem-like qualities that are found in the truest friend. The first of these is a friend always loves you. A friend always loves you. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. Look what it says. First part says, A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. You know, it's easy to love someone when they're happy, they're upbeat, things are going well, they're doing well in life. It's easy to love that person who loves you first. You know, they make you feel well, and it's easy to respond in love back to them. It's easy to love the friend who's always doing things for you, right? They do nice things, and you're just naturally inclined to love them back. But it's a whole different story to love someone when things aren't going well in their life or in your life. You will always know who your true friends are when you mess up or when you make a mistake. A good friend won't be an enabler, but they won't abandon you either. They won't. They stick with you. 
and they hold you accountable because they love you. They don't, they won't let you down and they won't let you go. They love you all the time. Early last year, a guy who's been a friend of mine for quite a while called me and said he needed to meet with me. And I could just tell in the tone of his voice that this was not going to be one of those fun gatherings. He proceeded in this meeting to explain to me a series of moral mistakes that he had made over the previous year. He told me he wasn't positive, but he felt like he was very close to losing his marriage. After meeting with him, Ann and I got together with he and his wife, and we started talking through the situation and started a process of moving forward toward healing of their marriage. This guy required, uh, this guy required my friend, this guy re- required uh, a lot of extra attention as my friend. He was going to have to make several significant changes in his life. I agreed as a result of all the conversation, assessing the situation, I just agreed that I would be his accountability partner. I'd be notified anytime he went to a questionable site online in order to help him be accountable with online pornography, which had been part of the problem. Now, some of you here might be sitting there thinking, well, that's part of your job, isn't it? And to some extent, I'd, I'd say, yeah, probably is true. But the reason I got involved has nothing to do with that. The reason I agreed to get involved was because this guy's my friend. And I care about him. Love is not just a word. It's not just an emotion or a feeling. Love is an action. Love always reveals itself in actions. So if a friend loves at all times, that love will be evident through the way they act toward you. And on your behalf. Now, having friends can be complicated. Everybody in here knows it. It can be messy at times. It can even be heartbreaking. But a true friend always loves you. And you'll see that by the way that they act toward you and on your behalf. There's a second gem-like quality that's found in the ideal or the truest of friends. And that is a friend stands with you when life is at its hardest. Look at the second half of uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother, that's a key word here, is born for a time of adversity. That word brother is defined as people who have the same parents. They have this biological connection. But it also expands out to include a close friend, someone who is like a brother. At a funeral I presided over recently, The family had listed in the obituary three women's names who were very close friends of the woman who had just passed away. I found that interesting since they singled out three friends. She had a lot of friends, but they singled out these three women specifically. One of the women spoke at the funeral, and she talked about this deep meaning that they had in their friendship that they had shared for a number of years. She talked about trips they took and experiences that they'd had down through the years. But what defined their relationships was the connection they had in the day in and day out. It became clear to me, these women weren't just friends. The reason they were in the obituary was because they were more like sisters. What the author is saying in Proverbs 17, 17 
is that a friend is always faithful. And this faithfulness shows up especially in times of crisis or times of adversity. If you aren't sure who your friends are, adversity will reveal it to you. During times when you lost your job, you remember? Think about it. Who was there? Those are your friends. Your boyfriend breaks up with you. Who are the people who are there? Those are your friends. The doctor gives you a bad diagnosis. Or someone close to you dies suddenly. Who are the people who are there? It's in these moments that you will know who your true friends are. See, they're the ones who show up to make sure that you're okay. And they're the people who will call a few hours later just to check on you. They run the toughest hills of life with you, helping you to keep running in the marathon of life. I like the way Proverbs 17, 17 is translated in the God's Word translation. He says, a friend always loves and a brother is born to share trouble. A true friend is wired to share that trouble with you and you with them. A friend will always share your adversity, your crisis, your trouble. Well, there's a third gem-like quality that we find in the truest of friend, and that is a friend tells you the truth. A friend will tell you the truth. Now, a friend will never sugarcoat the truth, but he or she isn't harsh either. That friend is able to tell you your breath is bad by simply handing you a mint or a stick of gum, right? They'll tell you, you got a big piece of chive right between those two teeth in front. And they'll do it so that you're not embarrassed. They'll also tell you, and every guy knows how important this is, that your fly is down midway through your sermon. That's a good friend. He helps you to understand the truth, especially when it's serious and sometimes hard to take. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. As a Christ follower, it's crucial to have friends who will inspire us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And they do that by telling us the truth, oftentimes giving us insight into what they understand Scripture to teach. I have probably the privilege to have watched one of the best examples of this in one of the men in our church who's a prolific discipler. One of the best examples of this kind of friend actually goes to church here. He's been a tremendous encouragement to me. But I've seen him pour into the lives of other men. So much so that they have been transformed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. I'm talking about Alan Sheely. He's the husband of Carolyn Sheely, our children's ministry director. Some of you know him simply as the candy man. He's the guy that's giving your kids all the stuff you're trying to keep them from eating. But I asked a number of guys if they would send me stuff about how did, how did Alan influence your life in the context of sharing truth with you, and I was overwhelmed by the response I got. One guy called Alan the, the Christian Clint Eastwood. 
He said, Alan shoots straight with you. Another guy said, I remember Alan asking people, some of which were the spiritual elite at the time, he asked them, what keeps you from putting the hammer down for Jesus Christ? When it came to speaking the truth in love, one guy said he was quick to listen and quick to point to Jesus as a solution for every dilemma in life. He had a knack for calling us out when we needed it, but he was also gentle and compassionate when he did, never was he judgmental? And he was never afraid to relate when it came to sharing his own struggles with the things of this world. Alan was also quick to point out the transformation and freedom that the gospel offered. Another guy said, I was pursued by Alan. And right behind the word pursued, he put in parentheses, hounded. He said, I was pursued, hounded by Alan, and it did have a huge impact on my life. Another guy said, Alan is someone who is willing to call you out if there is the slightest hint that you may be walking in the wrong direction away from Christ. Having a friend who tells you the truth, even when it's hard or it might upset you, is actually a gift. Be that kind of friend. Alan Sears, who is the former president of the Alliance Defending Freedom, said, the Christian life does not consist merely in believing a set of propositions within the walls of our churches. It means living out that truth in a visible, public way. The problem is we don't always do that. But if we have a friend who will point us towards the truth when we're not being salt and light, or maybe when we're actually doing something that's sinful, that is always a tremendous blessing. So be a friend like that. Well, there's a fourth jewel-like quality that we find in the truest friend, and that is a friend makes you better. A friend makes you better. Look at Proverbs 27, 17. It says, I love this verse, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The first line of this verse contains a popular folk saying of the time in which the verse was written. Iron sharpens iron. This is the image of a farm implement or a sword or a knife being sharpened by another piece of metal. This metaphor of metal rubbing against metal is applied to the relationship between two friends. One person sharpening another person. And the friction of the iron sharpening the iron indicates that this will most likely be a little uncomfortable. But it will always make you better. And in this context, it'll make you more like Jesus. Your friend plays a key role in this process. And you know that being a friend like this is not always easy. But it's almost always fulfilling. Because you're go- both going to grow in this process, spiritually, to be more like Christ. Now I want to share a couple of, uh, just a handful of Ways that a friend sharpens you to make you better. This is certainly not exhaustive, but these were things that resonated with me. The first was this. This friend will help you solve problems. They're willing to process things with you to make the best decision. And then they'll walk with you as you deal with the challenges of implementing whatever it is that you decided to, the decision that you made. Number two, they remind you who you are. Who you are. 
They don't let you forget that you're a child of God and that he loves you. And this builds your faith. It builds strength and confidence in you. Number three, they call out your shortcomings. They're not condescending, nor do they act superior to you, but they will hold you accountable to stop making the same mistakes over and over again. And then number four, last but certainly not least, there's, there's a long list of these. Number four, they push you to try again to pursue the best. They believe that God has a great plan for your life. They don't expect you to be perfect in that, but they won't allow you to settle for anything less than all that God has planned for you. A true friend will always make you better. They will lift you up. They will not tear you down. Which brings us to the fifth jewel-like quality. And I would say this is probably the, the most important one of our list today. And that is simply, a friend will sacrifice for you. Author Robert Vera told a story about a young man by the name of Ryan Job on the Hammer and Anvil podcast. Now, the Hammer and Anvil podcast is the podcast for a men's ministry here at Northeast. It's a relatively new podcast, and I would strongly recommend that all of the men who attend here would subscribe to that. It's free, and they got great stuff on there most of the time. Episode 6 is where I got this this story, so you can go and listen to the full uh, explanation of it. But they shared this story about Ryan Job, and if you're familiar with the movie American Sniper, you probably know the name of Chris Kyle. Well, in 2006, the United States Navy SEAL Special Operator Second Class Ryan Job was on that rooftop in Ramadi, Iraq, with Navy SEAL Chris, Chris Kyle. Excuse me. An enemy bullet during a firefight struck Ryan Job's machine gun, sending metal fragments tearing through the right side of his face. A medic by the name of Johnny Kim was on the scene immediately, and he literally saved Ryan's life there on the roof. Ryan's wounds were severe, to say the least. The right side of his face, from his forehead to his upper lip, was literally gone. He was bleeding out. Ryan and Johnny were close friends. They had been buds since day one of SEAL training. Ryan was, Ryan was in serious, serious shape. He had an arterial bleed that had to be shut off. Normally you would use a, a tourniquet, but in this case, you can't because it's a head wound. The swelling would eventually kill you. So Ron, Johnny went to work on Ryan so that he wouldn't bleed to death. As Johnny attended to Ryan's wounds, bullets were flying all around him. People were dying on that roof. They were getting shot at on the rooftop. And while all of this was happening, Johnny Kim went to work to save Ryan's life. Proverbs 18.24 said, But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That day, in 2006, on that rooftop in Ramadi, Iraq, that friend for Ryan Job was Johnny Kim. See, Johnny saved Ryan's life in part because he was a Navy medic, and that was his job, but also because Ryan was his friend. He was his brother. The reason a friend sacrifices himself for another friend is because they love them. 
Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus would teach this truth to his disciples, and then he would illustrate it for them by going to the cross. And they wouldn't understand this sacrifice in that moment, but later it would be clear to them that what Jesus did was he died for them, as well as for all of us too. John 3.16 summarizes it the best in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, mankind had a major problem. Humanity was separated from God because of sin. But Jesus paid the price for our sins when he died on that cross. That's what we call sacrifice. If you think about it, Jesus is the best friend you've ever had. And if you haven't accepted that relationship with him, I want to encourage you to to consider doing that very soon. You want to be a friend like that? If you need friends, I'd encourage you to be a friend. Like what we talked about this morning, live out these gem-like qualities. Be that kind of person. Be that kind of friend. Be the truest friend possible. On behalf of all of us, I think it would be good for us who are Christians to just let Jesus know how grateful we are for his friendship. Will you do that sometime today? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you didn't hold back. I thank you for being my friend. I thank you for going to the cross and for paying that price. Lord, I thank you for my friends. And on behalf of all of us in here, Lord, thank you for our friends, for those who love us and stand with us during tough times, who tell us the truth when it's difficult, for making us better, sharpening us. And God, for the sacrifices that they've made for us. Lord, help us to be friends like that. Lord, we're grateful for the example Jesus set of what a friend looks like. And we pray all of this today in his precious name. Amen. If something has been said this morning that has registered with you, or you've heard a thought, or maybe you just need uh, somebody to pray with you about a specific matter, I'm going to be down front here after the service. I'd love to spend a little time with you talking and praying. Let's stand together in the meantime and let's worship the best friend we ever had, Jesus.